I don't know how we start a chapter. Yeah, I was going to say chapter... 26. 26. Yeah. So, so this book is a fix. Oh, good. Well, yeah, right I, I tried to gate. rhyme it. 26, what rhymes with that? Nothing rhymes with six. That's no. the problem. Uh, today we're talking about the original. And, uh, yeah, we ordered... We found a copy... This is a republish uh, from 1947, I believe, of the original mm. 1929 version. Let me pull up in this uh, copyright page. Which this book does not have as many illustrations as our newer book. Yeah, only one, in fact. Yeah, that shows Herd and uh, Adelia. And the boys, of course. Yeah. And, and good-looking suits. Yeah, so right out the gate, there's a huge difference between old. We'll call this racist version and, <laughs> and blue version. Blue is new. Blue is new. Racist is is old. So, <laughs> so in the racist version, the boys are substantially younger. Yes, they're, they're two years younger, fifteen and sixteen. Yeah, instead of being seventeen and eighteen. Yeah, and that's a massive difference. Yeah. Like I don't know how that means many... one wouldn't actually have his license. So one is just driving this motorcycle. But... Unless can you get a motorcycle license younger? And was the age for a license the same back in the twenties as it was today? I wonder. So this is copyright nineteen twenty seven. This version, and I feel like in nineteen twenty seven, when you turned fourteen, you got married. Yeah. <laughs> And you started your farm. I don't know yeah, a lot you're about not wrong. the 20s. Also, vehicles weren't invented until the 50s, so I don't know what motorcycles they're on, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it has to be. I imagine it's like the motorcycle. It's a bicycle. It's, like a it's bike. the bicycle with like the plane wings on the side of it and like <laughs> yeah. the umbrella thing trying to get it to fly. <laughs> like all the all the reels. We could really ones. take it off the cliff now, Joe. <laughs> yeah, that's where the cliff hubris came from, yeah. is from their flying bicycles. Oh man! Now that is uh, actually a great scene. Actually. actually, I don't know how we didn't notice this before, but what is this in the cover of of the book? It's like first page. We get this, you know, illustration. I think is it's a painting. There's like sketches in the in the blue versions, the new yeah. versions. This is like a gorgeous. Oh, this is very nice. There's skin drawn. tone. There's gradient to the boys. Yeah. Uh, Adelia looks radiant. In yeah, a, in a gown. Turd looks great too. He doesn't even have a hunched back or anything. He's I got believe he's holding some posture. stamps. Though. Oh, son of a beast thing! He like is he, holding stamps. Holding stamps. He's clenching the stamps. But in addition to that, like the actual cover here, I don't know if this is this story exactly. I don't get it. There, one is a oh, so there's there's a boy. One of the boys. I'm imagining it's Frank. It's Frank. Yeah, yeah, because we can see the Frank. blonde hair. The other one. Frank's in a tree with binoculars, and and Joe's hiding behind a bush, and there's guys in a boat with guns on the far side of a creek climbing up to a log cabin. What are they doing on this crack? I have to imagine that this is something from the house on the cliff. It has to be. It's a little nod to the second book. Um, but also, another thing I found just now, I want to thank Steve Olson. Steve Steve Olson. This book apparently Look at one at point this. belonged to Steve Olson, who wrote his name in pen. It, yeah, it looks like it's like a fifth grader's handwriting, too. Steve, I hope you didn't write this just now. 
<laughs> just before you mailed it to hey, us. Before I said this to you, this used to belong to Steve. <laughs> remember, remember Steve's book. I wrote Steve's book in the back. Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve. So, Interrupted yeah. the deaf man. So we, we get some different illustrations. Um, and yeah, Younger Boys changes everything. Yes. Like, it, it makes more sense, too. So we're going to go through the racist version probably in, I'm going to guess, three pieces. I think that's the smartest we're gonna way do to do one, it. We're going to do one piece today. We're going to take all, basically all the exposition leading up to when the actual case begins right. uh, of the, the tower robbery. But in there, there's, there's a whole lot of stuff. And so, but, so over the course of these three, we're going to cover a lot of things. But first, the pacing is different. And like, like there's 26 yes. chapters. And the first thing we noticed was like essentially chapter one in the blue version is – it starts off on the road. Well, it starts. It, it, yeah, it starts off. There's like two encounters with this car, but then they split like chapters one and two in the racist version equal chapter one. Like they combined yeah. these two chapters into one. Um, and when they do that, they lost a really good cliffhanger. Oh, the cliffhanger! The racist, the racist version like, great. They're about to be hit by a car, and then end of chapter. Boom! Yeah, I gotta find out what happens next. Yeah. Blue version, it's like they're about to be hit by a car. They don't get hit by the car. <laughs> Let's go hang out with chat. Chapter over. Yeah, the the second one ends, or the uh, blue version ends with, in a few moments, the boys were tearing down the road in pursuit of an automobile thief. Also, pretty good cliffhanger. But that's the cliffhanger it's from the cliffhanger chapter, of chapter two, two in the races. Yeah. Yeah. So... I, as like when we were talking about this, we were going to do like a chapter by chapter comparison, and it gets a little tricky because yes. the chapters aren't consistent through the book. No, there's only twenty a few chapters, chapters in the blue that are version. actually even titled the same. Um, but interestingly, there's there's a few of them. So the holdup is still the same. Um, but basically, the first two chapters in the blue book are what the speed demon and the holdup. Okay, so in the uh, Racist version, the old version, there's four chapters that get us there. It's the Speed Demon, the Stolen Roadster, Traces of the Thief, and then the Holdup. And so, like, they split this this whole, like, they make a big scene out of this big chase as where it's just half of a chapter yeah. in, the, in the blue version. Which, uh, oh, no, that didn't actually happen. I was going to say, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't... You're wrong. Red Jackley... Fly over the boys in the car, but that didn't happen. It was that was written, just a, yeah. a misread. It was written in a way that it was difficult to tell <laughs> yeah. whether or not the car flew over them or not. Which is awesome. Yeah, by way, the way. way better. If way that more action. Happened. Yeah. Um it's written more excitingly. Like I don't know. Oh. Pull a paragraph from this car chase of the uh Well, it just died. So the problem that we had is this felt like it took out all of the action. This Race's version has all of that action that we wanted. Yeah, and a lot of attitude as well. Oh, they're calling idiots left and right here. They just keep saying, who is this idiot that's driving? I'm let like, me, yeah, all right. Let, let me give us this little uh, – this is oh, from, from the racist version. Uh, this is uh, the sort of peak uh, – this is the, the cliffhanger at the end of chapter one. He'll run us down, shouted Joe in alarm. The idiot. <laughs> Indeed, the position of the two lads was perilous. And then here's, here's the action. The roadway was narrow enough at any time, and this speeding car was taking up every inch of space in a great cloud of dust. It bore directly down on the two motorcyclists. It seemed to leap through the air. So, so that was the part where we were like, wait, 
He's, he's flying over him. He's, he's ET is he in this E-born? car over the moon. Yeah. <laughs> just Smokey and the Bandit yeah. rocking this thing to right the down, sky. Man, kick it. Dukes boys are back. Uh, wow, I I really screwed up. Dukes boys are back. I was just sort of mumbling. I wanted to say, like, those boys are back. Duke boys are Duke back. Boy, yeah. There goes them Duke boys. Thank you. That's what I was yeah, looking I got for. You. I missed it hard. The front wheels left left a rut, and the rear of the car skidded violently about. By a twist of the wheel, the driver pulled the car back into the roadway again. Just as it seemed about to plunge over the embankment, it shot over toward the cliff, swerved back again into the middle of the roadway, and then shot ahead at terrific speed. Oh. Frank and Joe edged their motorcycles as far to the right of the road as they dared. To their horror, they saw that the car was skidding again. The driver made no attempt to slacken speed. The automobiling came hurtling toward them. Chapter end. Oh, my God. That's a cliffhanger. That's amazing. Lives in danger. Dude. Skidding, flying cars, ruts. All we get in this is just basically one page of, he'll hit us. He'll hit us. We better go fast. (laughs) To their amazement, the reckless driver didn't hit them as they pulled over to the side of the cliff. Why take out all that amazing action? I just drank out of your water. I'm sorry about it's that. It's fine. I, just, I don't mind. I mind. I hate. I hate sharing water. I hate. Sharing I apologize. I have a dirty mouth. It's not too. your fault. I don't yeah. know why. I just vacantly. <laughs> I was thirsty and I wanted to grab a drink quickly. I'm so not I gonna could lie. You not you put the, the proper amount of isage in the water. I appreciate that. So when you look at that glass, it's just like, well, yeah, I gotta taste that. That mm. looks great. So I by contrast, my water bottle here, double like walled vacuum insulated. It, uh-huh. My water's warm. Oh my god! Did you that put isage in it? I didn't. Not what recently. What are you thinking? I know. I'm an idiot. It's all about the proper cube amounts. I'm making a lot of mistakes here. You got good cubes too, because they have a good soft curve to them. Thank you. You're welcome. I have curvaceous Let's, cubes. Yeah. I, I check out people's cubes. My Listen, cubes if I'm in your house, I'm all. looking at your cubes. <laughs> That's what's gonna happen. Yeah, your cubes aren't cubes at all. They look more like little smokies. They do. Yeah. Where are Tangent. we? What are we? Yeah, this is fun. <laughs> um. Uh, Roadhog. <laughs> Joe keeps calling. Oh, actually, I didn't even read this. What is before. Roadhog? Why do you? Oh, is that what he calls him? Like this guy's a Roadhog. Yeah, twice. Uh, twice he calls him a Roadhog that I see on this page alone. Get out of the. But Roadhog, Joe. Joe muttered again. <laughs> Dude, that's. I want my nickname to be Roadhog. That's Check awesome. this out. Check this out. Jail is too good for the likes of him. If it was only his own life endangered, he wouldn't be so bad. Good thing we only had motorcycles. If we'd been in another car, there would have been a smash-up, sure. Now, I'm going to bet that by smash-up, he means we're going to go kick this dude's ass. Yeah, and there's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. But, also, uh, what was it? What did it say? Roadhog? Uh, I don't remember. Move on. I had something. I had a, a funny quip, but it's gone. Rats. Rats is right. So then then they, they're they going to see Chet, and Chet's car is stolen. Which it's um, not a jalopy, it's given not, it's not the time period, but it's uh, what is it a hot rod or it's it's uh, actually chapter three begins with uh, Chet Morton's roadster was a brilliant the yellow, yeah, not easily mistaken, um, and Chet says this sentence, which as we date ourselves, like there's uh, clearly sentences in the blue book that don't age well, things about like a woman being lame, yeah, uh, things like that. <laughs> oh no. Uh, but this, do you want, do you want to take uh, Chet's line here? This the second paragraph. The car is pretty well known around Bayport," said Chet. "It was certainly a gay-looking speed wagon. Anyone who saw it would remember it. 
they say, hey, old chat, that's a real gay-looking speed wagon. <laughs> you wrong. like my speed wagon? <laughs> this is gay, right? <laughs> like, I get that it's not, like, it's juvenile of us to laugh at that. But it's just, like, I, just, this, it wouldn't no. be written this way before. And having grown up in a time where the only time we use gay to describe something like that is in deck the halls yeah uh and like make the yuletide gay like that's that's the only time it gets used like that so what's well, also but, just to follow the word gay up with speed wagon i don't know something about speed wagon makes me giggle yeah any speed wagon but that's not so we're just getting to know chet and and we get a huge we get more exposition into Chet's life. Yes, we do. Chet gets a whole chapter, chapter five, which it, I died laughing at this. I, I was crying. I was laugh. It was like a, a good scene from like I don't know, like Family Guy or something like that. Yeah. Where like it just like the longer it goes on, you're like, oh my god, <laughs> keep gonna we, keep doing. We're this? still doing it now. Let me ask what the audience is thinking. Is Chet still portly? And yes. And yes, absolutely, he is still described as uh, being a little chunker, right? Yes, um, and uh, also in the first book when they see Callie Shaw, yeah, yeah, to- yeah, totally yeah. different. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Wow. Whoa. Wow. Whoa. Here we Callie go. Callie Shaw. Wow. Callie Shaw. Yeah. Whoa. 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 Wow. She's fifteen now. Okay, she's not seventeen. Yeah, that does make it a little weird. Yeah, now we can't. Wow, Callie Shaw. I mean, I'm sure the the author was you know in his fifties when he wrote this and married to a fifteen year old. Well, yeah, so there's no doubt it's about time. it. It's the Pocahontas it's story. But <laughs> <laughs> regular John Smith here. Yeah, Smith and. Um, but so, so they come up on Callie Shaw, and in the first book, she dropped her cake because the roadster startled her. Yeah. In this one, <laughs> she drops the cake because the roadster startled her, and the roadster runs it over, <laughs> just destroys the cake. Um, Which, how close were they driving to her? Like, if I'm going to drop a cake, it's going to be right in front of me. Did she, like, throw it to the side? Or were they literally just, like, skimming the car right next to her? It's a good question. Yeah. And, again, I don't know what, what roads were like back then. <laughs> yeah. But, like, yeah, was she walking in the middle of the road, got <laughs> yeah. startled, dropped it, and stepped out of the road, leaving the cake in the middle of the road? Yeah. Or did she heave it, you know, from I'm the sidewalk into the road? It, right? She's a heaver. She would have had to. Callie Heaver Shaw, man. Uh, but the heave. Note <laughs> the heave they call her. Uh, notably, a, a difference here is that uh, Frank's face lighted up, for he recognized the girl as Callie Shaw, who was in his own class at Bayport High School. Of all the girls at the school, Callie was the one most greatly admired by Frank. She was a pretty girl with brown hair and brown eyes, always neatly dressed, and had quick and vivacious and quick and vivacious in her manner. I always imagined her as being vivacious too, but this yeah, book never even quick. tells us that. Well, her yeah, manner, like, her manner the way she threw that cake, quick. you knew she was quick. <laughs> Which are cat-like reflexes? <laughs> yeah. Callie the cat. Throw those cakes. <laughs> uh, so we had Frank often dated Callie and liked her better than any girl he knew in the blue version. Dated, yeah. So that's probably a relic of the the two year difference. Yeah, like does a does a sixteen year old really date? Right. I don't know. One of these but interim episodes, does. we're definitely going to have like a teenager on. Maybe yeah. we should have 
a 15 year old and an 18 year old <laughs> and see and how give they them quiz it. like let's let's give them a detective conundrum and see how each of them solves it and then yes. we can say you know is an 18 year old detective that much better than a 15-year-old? I like this idea a lot and you know what I'm going to put my money on the 15 year old being smarter than the 18 year old I'll take that money you going to take that money yeah i like that yeah i'm prepared to lose that money but right I, but i enjoy i got the faith in this 15 year old kid I really do. I'm going to have to pad the deck here. Yeah. After seeing that uh, quartet. Uh, I'm oh, starting, at the live I'm, show? Yeah. I'm starting There's to think that 14-year-old kids are awesome. They're 17-year-olds. Oh, they were juniors? I think so. I thought they were sophomores. They might have been sophomores. Yeah. No, I don't know. I think they were 15. Rats. Because someone had to drive them there. By the way, huge thank you to everyone who came out to the live show. That was a total blast. Yeah. yeah. We, we, we've talked about a couple things that we want to do differently. Yeah, not sweat as much for yeah. me. <laughs> Sweating, I, and I want to sweat more. Yeah, because I sweat a lot, but it still didn't feel like it all enough. siphoned to me. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I think I think we left a lot up to chance by not reading the book until like we knew it was a cliffhanger, so we knew there would be something in that yeah. last chapter. Didn't know that it would all uh, wrap up in one page. Yeah, and trying to bring an audience along who doesn't read the book. Yeah. And many of them don't listen to the <laughs> podcast. So trying to educate, uh, uh, trying to basically read the whole book just to be able to comment on the last chapter. Like yeah. they need all the context of who is Smuff, who is Tony who is this Brito, person? what's this who is, name, who are the Robinsons. Yeah. Like all these things need to be explained we, before anything makes sense. The next live episode will be happening after book two. But I think what we've been talking about doing is not actually doing it as the last chapter, yeah. just doing a whole book review uh, because it was hard to just do the last chapter. And I had issues reading with uh, small conversations going on. I'm the yeah. kind of guy, if I hear a conversation, I need to know what's going on in it. So that, I'm trying like, to read and li- I'm listening to everyone else talk. I can't listen to lyrical music and read. Yeah. Like I'm it the has same to way. be just instrumental, yeah. otherwise I, I lose it a little bit. Yeah. Um but we did the halfway checkup episode in the first book. Like after ten chapters, yes. we did like a here, here we'll catch up. And yes. we took a little bit of time to do that. So I think for our next live show, we'll do a full book summary, but that'll also allow us to pick some of our favorite highlight moments from the book and sort of pick and choose. And Yeah, it's like a best of episode. Yeah, rather than try, because we came up with everything off the top of our heads, yeah. which I think worked out okay, but there were, as I listened to the episode, there were pieces that I kind of wished like, oh, you know, we should have we should have talked about when they all had a picnic lunch and fell asleep after. A, oh, you know, I forgot about it. after their little tummies were full of searching. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know if I want to keep searching. My stomach hurts. Yeah, and I need another sandwich. <laughs> Chet, shut up. Their voices, idiot. <laughs> their voices have to change. Oh, as, as, as we're getting older. And, no, as a fifteen and sixteen. Oh my like, god, you're we've right. We've been giving them these gruff like. Brooklyn, you know, yeah. Brooklyn Australian. Well, yeah, accent. I mean, that's his great but voice. I think there's got to be a lot more of like the, squeak, more the, the, the pubescent. Hey, Frank! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm with you. We do need those little puberty <laughs> heads. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh. oh, Lord. Well, uh, so first three chapters. I do. I want you to go into the chat story because I think this is something that people need to hear. Because I, I, I was laughing. We're not there yet. 
Oh, we're not there can, yet. Can I? Can I put? Can we finish? Well, let's with put that? it on. Yeah, because that's like the let's, last thing before. Oh, you're right. Big things happen. You're right. You're absolutely <laughs> <Yes>. right. <laughs> uh, so chapter four is the holdup, which even oh, in the original book there this isn't a holdup. Interesting things, but yeah, okay, yeah, but there's some very serious things in this chapter that are going Major to affect changes. the rest of the book. Yep. Um, first of all, we find that Officer Con Riley. Is actually Constable Con Riley. Constable Con, dude. Constable Con. That's a Mortal Kombat character That's right good. there. That's real good. Yeah. Um, and he has a bigger part in this. Like, I feel like Constable Riley in uh, the Blue Book, the Blue New, was very small. Like, he just had a little mention at the beginning, and I don't really, yeah, really I don't remember, remember having anything again. ever again. I think he may have been, like, at the mansion, like, asking questions and stuff. Yeah, like, just he a may background have, like, bit yeah, character. Be, and, and being, um, like, a reliable character. Just sort yeah. of being, like, you know, Con Riley was there to make sure that people stayed in line. And, like, that was... Yeah, we didn't no really speaking talk to parts. Yeah, yeah. It was just like, eh, Con's back there. But we get some Con... Uh, yeah, we do. In, in these chapters yes, here. Yes, we do. Uh, but Chief Ezra, Ezra Collig remains the same. Um, but, yeah, so they go into the police station, and we've got uh, three people here. We've got uh, Policeman Con Riley, Ike Carity, the steamboat officer, and most importantly... Detective <laughs> Smuff. Detective Smuff. I'm going to uh, detective smuff of the police force. Oh my God. So in, in the blue book, it says that he called himself a private detective and was working hard to earn a spot on the Bayport police. He is the sort of the, uh, you're rooting for him. He's the, the underdog basically in this and in the old racist version, he's already there. Or you could say that if he's incompetent, in the old racist version, he's an incompetent police officer, and in the 1959 version, uh, dumber. Well, they don't want to own him on the police. Like what I'm, what we had talked about, like what you had read about why they were rewritten is like there was some disrespect to the cops. Yeah, and I think this could be if if this whole book proceeds where oh my god, you're they're, right. They're just you know I'm giving you Smuff now. a hard time, they and he's an actual police a officer. Police officers like the. Oh, they didn't light his car on fire. They lit the store on fire. But yeah, now involving a police, police officer, officer that changes not the a game. private detective who's an idiot. Yeah, it um, makes them shadier. Yeah, so so everything Which they're more rascally and everything the old about version. Oscar Smuff is different because he is a Bayport police officer. At least right now, maybe he gets kicked off. But who knows? Uh, but, but yeah, as of now, he is Detective Oscar Smuff, and that is a total game changer. Yeah, and let's uh. So in the uh, the blue version, whenever they interrupt Icarity's story about Icarity having a gun in his face, the police just say, "Whoa, whoa, hold on, Ike. Let's hear what these boys have to say." Yeah, it's like, "Hey, boys, what can I yeah, help what's you? What's going with? on, boys? How you doing?" Here, uh, I gotta find, I gotta find the right page. Oh yeah, um, just a minute. Interrupted the chief grandly as the boys entered. He dipped his pen in the inkwell, poised in the air, and peered at his lads. Peered at the lads over his spectacles. What are you boys doing here? Can't you see we're busy? Which is a proper reaction. Yeah, that's how that's how you should speak to a 15 and 16 yeah. year old who fancy themselves as private detectives. Um, which actually we're gonna we're gonna go all the way back here for a second 
two page one and two of the book. In the blue book, they're just driving along. Yeah, they're got, driving along. They're they've driving got a legal along. paper or something from their yeah, dad they that they've got in their pockets. In their pocket. yeah. yeah, they got the driver's caps. They're having the the first uh, the first two paragraphs of of the uh, racist version. It starts first sentence of the book. After the help we gave dad on the forgery case, I guess I'll begin to think that <laughs> yeah. we could. <laughs> trying to, that was a good, trying yeah. to put it in there. <laughs> After the help we gave Dad on that forgery case, I guess he'll begin to think we could be detectives when we grow up. Why shouldn't Why shouldn't we? Isn't he one of the most famous detectives in the country? And aren't we his sons? If the profession is good enough for him to follow, it should be good enough for us. Um, and so they go on, and on, on page two, they're talking about how they helped solve this forgery case. Yeah, over that no one else could solve. Thousand dollars, uh, yeah, stolen. They, right, Bayport police, private detectives, all this, and then Fenton Hardy, in three days, solved the case because he noticed one of the loan people was kind of slick. Yeah, and he pressed this guy. I'm gonna press and, him hard, and got and we a, pressed him too. Yeah, and yeah, got a confession out of him, and it was worded a little violently. Uh, yeah, I'm glad our. Uh, let's see. Once he got suspicious of that slick bookkeeper whom nobody had been suspecting at all, it was all over but the shouting. Got a confession out of him and everything. And yeah, like Fenton Hardy. A little shout match with him. Yeah. I feel like in the blue book, at least the way we read him, he's like always very quiet. Like yeah. he's a he's a he's a good I'm encyclopedia. In my yeah. He's he's like a reference. Yeah, exactly. He is not like a hard headed old school noir detective. He's just very like He's like a hippie almost. Like you boys want to say what you want to see a play. He's... I've got a wig drawer. What do you want? <laughs> Children. Bring me my monocle. <laughs> I can't say milk. read. Bring me my milk. <laughs> I'm thirsty. Could you now warm it like... up to child's temperature? <laughs> I like it a little warmer than usual. Now, if you'll excuse me, I've got a meeting with Herd Applegate over milk. Oh, Dad, you're meeting Herd Applegate? <laughs> I can't wait. I'm just meeting him for a glass of milk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're bringing cookies. We're going to dip all night long. <laughs> So in mm. the in the blue version, is that the stamps that's grasped in your hand? <laughs> yeah. So are you organizing them? <laughs> he just in the blue version, he just smoothly and creepily narrates life for people. <laughs> and I see that you're taking my order at this restaurant. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What do you, you're what do you want? writing it down with a pen <laughs> on your paper. It's scratching the paper. It's a blue. Yeah, I was pen. gonna say the ink is blue. <laughs> so, uh, on, on that note, yes, 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 yes. So we, when we meet Fenton, we get a totally different. So in the blue version, like. We don't really talk to him, but no. we, we explore his space. Yeah, in the blue version, you know, the boys come home and are like, hey, mom, is dad home? And they're like, yeah, go up to the study. They go you up to his no study. no cracking in the voices. Yeah, no cracking. They're, yeah, they're, version, they're, they're 17, 18. You know, they can handle their voices now. Exactly. Uh, they, they go up to their dads and it describes like, oh, he's got wig drawers. He got this. He has this. He has that. And they're just like, I think they might mention that Chet's car was stolen, but that's that's yeah, the, about it. All he says is basically like, "Do you want a little advice?" 
and that's really it. Yeah. That was it. It was so a very like, small most introduction. Of what we learn about him is from the room. Correct. And and like, oh, this is this is this is the room of a detective yes. who has this, room things. Yes. He's got drawers and drawers. Files and drawers. of disguises. <laughs> Do you need to know wig <laughs> manufacturers and distributors? I happen to know an old creepy man <laughs> who will make you wear giant skeleton bones costumes. So that is a shame, and maybe we'll get to that, but as I see it. The threat, the whole chapter of the threat when they're trying on costumes at Mr. Schwartz's costume shop. I feel like, well, actually, this is horrible now that I think about it. Because that's not in the original. And I was wondering how... Someone thought to add that scene in. At first, I was thinking, like, how bad would that be in the original version? And instead, no, they added that. Yeah, they were just like, we need to trust older wig. I think, like, at that time in history, maybe, like, wigmen were getting, like, a bad rap you know everyone was like suspecting them of being into little kitties and stuff yeah, they're like well, maybe no, maybe back aren't then that bad. maybe back that then bad. back then people were like oh i shouldn't leave two children in a warehouse with someone with a man in his 60s yeah and they're trying to baggy bones yeah like for whatever reason that was looked down upon like yeah leaving which your is kids insane. with a 60 year old man who owns a costume shop yeah and so yeah i guess it would make sense to rewrite the book with that sort of positive propaganda i mean that's it seems like that's what they were going for these, these children but by contrast here in the racist version um instead of really hearing anything about the room which and again, I assume in 1927 there weren't really things, <laughs> right? Right, like people didn't have things. Your room, like you I don't just know, Jebediah a, was down on the farm making like wooden, you know, toys and stuff for people, right? I mean, that would be your things. Yeah, but I mean, like you you had a nice stool and then like you wrote on a <laughs> shovel. <laughs> yeah, I'd that's say that's the, accurate. That's the Roaring Twenties. Yeah, and no wonder there was a Great Depression. I mean, if all you're doing is riding on a shovel, I like can't imagine. Yeah. yeah, you got a stopwatch, you got a shovel, and you got your stool. Yeah, and that's, that's it. about it. And your clothing line, but that's outside. That's not in the house. Yeah, and that's where the the women are. Yeah, this is this is 1927. New York at this time was all farmland. Nothing but farmland. Nothing but wow. farmland. Um, wow. And yeah, Bayport being three miles inland from the Atlantic Ocean, we found out in chapter one. Uh, not far from New York, I suppose. With 50,000 people, not 30, yeah. to correct ourselves. Um, but so in, instead of the things, we just get a conversation with Mr. Hardy, um, where first he uh, sort of um, like gives them trouble. Like I couldn't tell if he was really making fun of them or if like they thought it was cool. But uh, so like they, they say, like, oh, we were investigating today. Uh, and Mr. Hardy says, so my sons were investigating. This is, this is gruff. Yeah, this Hardy. is this is yeah, this, this is old. This, this is racist. But new. Yes, new Mr. Hardy is this old yeah, this Mr. Is, Hardy. This is. is an old racist Hardy uh, who gets stuff done and beats confessions out of people. Yeah. So my sons were investigating. Eh? What was it? A murder? A plot to blow up the White House? A train wreck? Something big? I hope. No, no, not quite that bad. Admitted Frank. It was a car theft. Mr. Hardy shook his head. I'm disappointed in you, he said solemnly. I really am. To think think that sons of mine should investigate a car theft. I thought you wouldn't bother about anything less than a murder. 
And then we get this, like sort of as a disclaimer. His eyes twinkled. I don't know if that means winked, but his eyes twinkled, and the Hardy Boys, who were accustomed to their father's good-natured banter, smiled back at him. And I just read this as like, the Hardy Boys, who are accustomed to verbal abuse, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> swallowed hard and moved on with their lives, yeah. well, craving like, the approval of their father. Yeah. The best thing, though, his eyes twinkled after he said murder. You know the only other person whose eyes twinkled? Santa. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's like, got great eyes. With a twinkle in his eye. Yeah. That's, that's the only other time I've ever heard of somebody's eyes twinkling. Just twinkling, yeah. It's just Santa and Fenton. That's another shirt. What is that shirt. telling us? Yeah. Santon Fenton. We also got, before that little speech, I feel like because in, in the 1920s, um, your father was either abusive or dead. <laughs> from what yeah, I, I'd from say what I glean. Yeah, We get right. this paragraph from the author, like, sort of being like, hey, hey, hey I, I know he's a dad, but <laughs> he's not an alcoholic who beats his kids. Like... Like most dads you probably know. Yeah. We get this. Although he was a busy man, Mr. Hardy was not the type of father who maintains an air of aloofness from his family. The result being that he was on good terms with his boys as though he were an elder brother. Interesting. And I mean, I know all relationships are are, are different, but I feel like in a modern family, yeah, it's not like... Where your father would beat you if you got a bad grade, mm-hmm. and like all you had to do was like bring money home and farm or something, and like you don't talk. To Daddy's home, like Daddy's going to the bar after work, and then he's coming home and sleeping. Once my pants are off, I don't want to hear from you. <laughs> Say, bring me my robe. <laughs> yeah, like that was life in the twenties. Again, I think we're painting a great picture of the Roaring Twenties. I think so I too. Like, I think we're pretty accurate on this historically. Like, because not many people know this, but like nothing changed from the late 1700s to 1920. No, dude. Same. It all came after JFK was assassinated. Right. It wasn't until 63 or 60, yeah, 63 that things actually picked up, right? It's when they invented the bicycle. Well, yeah. And, and the wheel. <laughs> Nixon invented the wheel. I heard that. LBJ was the first one to ride the wheel, though. <laughs> I'm riding this wheel hard. I don't know a lot about LBJ, but I, I like the impression. Oh, thank it's you. <laughs> it's real good. Um, so, yeah, they have a more of a, a brother relationship with dad, which doesn't seem like that as they walk in. And he's like saying, there better have been a bomb. Yeah. Did you blow up the school yet, kids? <laughs> uh, make your like daddy it. proud. We, we <laughs> talked about in the blue book. Like Fenton had like placed a wig somewhere, like so the boys could find a clue. Yeah, he's just and now I like to imagine that in this original, like <laughs> Fenton's calling bombs. him bomb threats and like <laughs> shooting the school, just driving by, like terrorized, setting off explosives he's throwing, and fireworks. Like, yeah, I was gonna and, say he's got oh, like did you boys fireworks. Hear anything at school today? Yeah, he's got firecrackers just... and he just throws rocks through the windows so people think they're bullets. It's like a. <laughs> Yeah, is your dad a great detective? Like, no, he's an alcoholic who keeps, <laughs> he keeps terrorizing he keeps our school. He keeps calling them bomb threats and saying he's us. <laughs> he's saying, this is it? Frank and Joe. I'm going to blow the school up today. Hey, Frank and Joe solved the case. What was it? It was our dad again. <laughs> <laughs> our dad was really, really drunk on moonshine. <laughs> hey, did you ever figure out who that pirate was that flashed all the women at the grocery store? That was store? your dad, right? <laughs> That's hey, true. Frank and hey, Joe, your dad. Is that your dad? 
Uh, so this this conversation uh, to to find out that he's a good detective. We get, <laughs> actually we've just been making jokes, but this isn't too far from the actual truth of the matter. Because at the the police station, they were arguing about what hair color the robber had. Ike Harity and yeah, uh, oh, it the got other guy. Heated. And the and, yeah, they were buff. like red hair, dark hair, red no, hair, dark. Dark. Hair. Are you saying I'm blind? So the boys come back and they're like. They were arguing. They couldn't decide, so there must be two people because they were both so sure that the hair color – one was sure it was red, one was yeah. sure it was dark. It must be two people, and Fenton's like, hey. <laughs> Listen up. Maybe they're not reliable witnesses, what which as mean, I say man? that isn't the solution because as we sort of know, at least from the blue book, it is a wig, and so yeah. they are reliable witnesses. They both saw the same person – just with different colored hair. And it's a long wig now. Yeah. Briefly mentioned, yeah, blowing but in the wind, blowing in the wind, long, long red, hair. red hair. Not just the shock. It was a long wig of red hair. Um, but so uh, Mr. Hardy challenges the boys. He's like, wait, how many times have you seen the school superintendent, uh, Superintendent Norman? Oh, I mean, I'd say at least between uh, 2,000 and 3,000 <laughs> in, in the three years that we've known him. Yeah, that's exactly pretty much what he says. Uh, yeah, he guesses uh, two or three thousand times, and then he's like, "Well, what color is his hair?" And the boys are like, "I think it's black." He's like, "No, no I think it's, it's brown. Got to be brown, black, brown." And Mister Hardy's like, "See, <laughs> see, you listen, idiots. boys, idiots <laughs> don't know anything." Uh, it turns out that. Uh, uh, like his point being like, see, you guys both have seen this person. You just weren't paying attention and you're asking these people. It's a perception test yeah, and you, I like this. You need, this is you good need to be better observers. But then really to to twist the knife, yeah, to show Fenton starts skills. getting creepy Hell yeah. and demonstrating. He's like, I've never talked. <laughs> I've never talked to Superintendent Norman, but I can tell you three things. One, he's bald. And Fully he, bald. And he wears a chestnut-colored wig. Woo! Number two, he belongs to the Elks Lodge. <laughs> I followed him home one night. And number three, he likes Dickens. Dickens is his favorite author. And the boys are like, whoa, how do you know all that? And he's like, because A... I've only seen him a couple times, but I always notice and do an ocular path down... <laughs> of of everyone I look at, and yet, like he sort of gets weird with it. Oh, I'll, I I asked you, you know, turns out you you guys don't know the color of his hair. And if I asked you whether he was in the habit of wearing laced shoes or buttoned shoes, you would be stumped altogether. And then mm. we looked up buttoned shoes, which are actually pretty awesome. Tight. Yeah, and I'm gonna get me a pair of handmade buttoned shoes. You, pretty, you I would like a pair butt. of like Converse All Stars, but buttoned up. buttoned up. Instead oh of yeah, laces. that'd be these sweet. things are spiffy. Uh, and then he continues, as a matter of fact, Mr. Norton is bald, <laughs> and he wears a chestnut wig. You never noticed that? He also wears buttoned shoes. He belongs to the Elks, and his favorite author is Dickens. So Fenton knows a ton about this dude, and the boys looked at their father in amazement. But, but Dad, you've never met him. I've never been introduced to him, but I've passed him on the street a number of times. Oh. And then here's where we start to get into old-school Lean and mean, yeah. gritty Fenton Hardy. Gritty detective. A little passive-aggressive here. When your powers of observation have been trained as mine have been, it's no trick at all to take away a mental photograph of a man after seeing him once. If you are specially observant, 
it isn't hard to notice such details as that regarding the wig. A wig never has the same appearance as natural hair. Mm. Which, and if you remember at this time, wigs were made out of hay. (laughs) 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 This this is the 20s. All they had was hay or you could... Everyone is blonde in the 20s. One of the famous famous wigs from this time was Davy Crockett. Yeah. Where a wig is just a a dead animal that you cut and put on your head. Yeah. He's got really great hair. Famously (laughs) bald. Yeah. But a beautiful wig. (laughs) So yeah, a wig never has the same appearance as natural hair. How do you know he belongs to the Elks? He wears the lodge emblem as a watch charm. I don't know what a watch charm is, but if 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 Superintendent like a charm, he he looks at everyone and says, "Watch this, (laughs) watch this." He's just Pacino. (laughs) Hold up, watch this. Hands down, hands down. And how do you know his favorite author is Dickens? On the three separate occasions that I met Mr. Norton, I noticed that he was carrying a book. Once it was Oliver Twist, another time it was Tale of Two Cities, and then it was David Copperfield. Old Dickens, except David Copperfield. And then as if to validate Frank's like, oh my God, he always talks about Dickens at school. You're you right. must be right. Yeah. <laughs> so then we get this long thing. Do you, you want to... Here, go ahead and take... Oh, Take Lord. Mr. Hardy's here. This, this, some highlights from that paragraph. He always talks Dickens to us at school, said Frank. It's simple enough. Once you get the habit, remarked Mr. Hardy, you must train yourselves to be observant so that in time you will automatically remember little details about people you meet and places you visited. Now... If Harity and Mr. Brown had been all observant, in spite of the fact that they were surprised and frightened, they would have been able to give the police a very thorough description of a man who tried to hold up the steamboat office. And if the man happened to be <laughs> to be a professional thief, and the description would have helped the officers ascertain who he was. Because once a man has served a prison term, his description is kept on file. As it is, all we know about him is that he's probably redheaded. That isn't very much to go on. I'm afraid Chet hasn't had a chance of recovering his roadster. (laughs) You can wait, never tell. Wait, I, I didn't. Uh, the first time I read it, I, like we're sort of skimming this as we were comparing the two. I didn't know that Fenton ended with, uh, as it is, all we know about him is that he's probably redheaded. Yeah. Which, A, he's not. It was a red wig that he wore. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that already is like Mr. Hardy being like, well, a 15 year old boy said that somebody else said he had red hair, even though. He was immediately disagreed with, right. but I'm gonna go with that. I trust you. So we you. know he probably has red hair. Yeah, and like that's all. Okay, this is the world's most famous detective. This is a a fourth party account of what happened. Yeah, and this is like, a yeah, long game of telephone they played so far. Sure. Oh, no doubt about it. I didn't see him, but my perception of your eyes reflecting <laughs> the image in your head shows me he's redheaded. <laughs> As compared to the new fan, where it's, well, as I watched your <laughs> eyes, 
Gaze upon my files of disguises. I noticed that you lulled for a slight pause on the red disguise wig. And it <laughs> He was red. Dad, stop breaking out his tongue. Headed in his hair in the wind. I don't know that song, but I want to know. I was just making it up. It's good. I was riffing it. Yeah, I Man. liked it. We should release an album of Fenton Hardy originals. It's hottest tracks. Yeah. <laughs> a good detective <laughs> never gets discouraged. My uh, boy's <laughs> got glyph hubris and it's really weird. I eat two breakfasts. <laughs> two two breakfasts. <laughs> My wife's in the kitchen hit. making me a sandwich. And the wife's have it. in the kitchen with the silver <laughs> sandwich. Oh, yeah. Little boy Joe and Frank is a boy. <laughs> All right, we're on to something big here. I think we've got a, not a Halloween, but we have a Christmas CD that's going to be coming out this year. At least a commercial for one. Well, yeah, the obviously. Hits. The greatest hits of Fenton Hardy. Jesus, people. Give us money on the Patreon so we can make these. <laughs> Do you have any idea? You know how you know how you're squinting hard to make it through this podcast episode right now? Imagine if if after you finally made it through this podcast episode, there were more things. Oh my god. Wouldn't that be just fantastic? More things? You mean not just one episode a week? You could have skits. So go to money.com and type in us. <laughs> it's as good as the directions. I like that. Now. That's good. Um, the last thing we have here uh, is just five pages of Chet pulling a prank. Um, like, what is this to, chapter to, called? To? This, this it's called Chet's Auto Horn. <laughs> okay, which made me think like, okay, this is a clue. Like they're gonna hear it because yeah. like he had the tire before, like the spare tire, right, and all that. And so that's what I'm thinking. Like the the clue is gonna be like, but they find the horn of the car was left somewhere, and like, yeah. oh, what is this he mean? ripped my horn out? Yeah. Uh, and instead, he has uh, – let's see here. Chet took from his pocket an automobile horn. So, again, this is the 20s. Yeah. I believe that's you a just rooster. just detach it from your <laughs> – it's, it's, it's just a rooster. Hold on. Let me get my horn out. Or a cat that you squeeze <laughs> yeah. real hard, and that's how they honked back then. Or an actual ah, goose. Ah. <laughs> just a full goose. No, but so like he's like, I don't have a car. How am I gonna get around? I'm gonna have to get a ride back to the back to the farm. Yeah, but here comes a, a hay wagon coming down the street. I'm gonna hop on that hay wagon. I'm gonna get on this hay wagon. To my farm. Yeah. And who's it driven by? Uh, the long the long wagon rumbled slowly toward them toward the boys. A lean and solemn farmer perched on the front seat, half asleep. The horses dawdled along. That's Lem Billers, laziest man in nine counties. Watch me have some fun with him. What a reputation to have. Yeah. Like, Your name this... is Lem, too. That's L-E-M. I don't know if that's hey, short... how you doing, I'm Lem Billers? We had, in one of the other episodes, we were like ch- talking about like being a short story writer yeah. and how like all the good names were taken. We were like, like the bit we were doing... <laughs> Was like, oh, I'll come up with a name so obscure that there's no way it's been used before. Like, I don't know, Adelia Applegate. And it's Hardy like, no, nope, Hardy did Boys it. did it. And like, there was just so many names. Like, how about Con Riley? Hardy Oscar's Boys did Love. it. Everything was Hardy Boys did it. And now, <laughs> and now, how did how did they cut Lem Billers? 
out of the new version. I'm very upset. What also, a great character name. This is my favorite chapter of Hardy Boys I've ever heard read. Yeah. When you read this, all I could think is we have missed out on the best action. I want to steal this and put this in a movie. This is, this is yeah. hysterical. Okay. I know that we had said we'll act out a scene from any scene people want oh when we reach, God. like, what is it, 39 patrons or something like yeah. that? I'm willing to say, instead of from the current version, we reenact the Chet's auto horn scene. I think that's a genius idea. Um, but this puts us at an instant crossroads here. Because this isn't an easily readable chapter. Oh, okay. So I say maybe we holster a little bit. Just give a highlight or two. Yeah. But leave the majority of the story. That way, people who are hearing this right now, like both of our listeners, will be like, I should probably donate to I that Patreon. to the Patreon and get more friends to donate to the Patreon so we can hit that threshold and Sean, see this scene unfold. I think you're right, because this is a very rare book. David, I'm a businesswoman. Okay? And strong and independent I'm as well. I'm a strong and independent businesswoman. This is what I do. <laughs> um, so we are going to skip past, but let you know that this chapter ends with Con Riley. Yeah, so so summarizing and not giving any of the fun details, uh, Chet uses this auto horn that he pulls from his pocket to cause some problems, to, to prank yeah. some people um, and, and cause hysterical. a traffic jam. Yeah. Um, and Con Riley uh, stumbles along and starts getting in an argument with Lem Billers and a chauffeur. Um, but he's sort of a bumbling detective who, who then just sort of or not detective, bumbling like policeman. Yeah. Um, but he says, uh, let's see, arrest this man. What for? Obstructing the traffic. He won't let me pass. I've been sounding my horn for the last five minutes, and he won't let me go past. Oh, ho, says Constable Riley. He can't get away with that. Not while Con Riley's on the beat. And with that, he ran out into the road, shouting to Lem Billers to stop. And, God. like, we get none of that. With new Con Riley, there's no. there's none of of the fun hubris, the the beat hubris of Con Riley. Come on up, you're fine, Maya. You can do it. Yeah, you can make it. Dogs joining us on the couch for the last of the episode here. Welcome, welcome to the show. Yeah. So, uh, good choice. So we decided to stop after this chapter because the next chapter. Uh, it's called Tire Tracks, and if I'm going to speculate here, they find the car. Yeah. Uh, very quickly in one chapter, instead of spread across nine chapters like the Blue Book, uh, and okay. then we're right into the mansion robbery. So we're Already. into the action a little quicker. And but, what's that page count, too, where it says the mansion robbery? Um, I mean, we've got a title called the mansion robbery on page 53. Man, where were we on this guy, dude? Page 53 in the Blue Book... Um. Oh, you know what? Page fifty-three is them talking to Herd. Really? Yeah. It seemed. I guess that has to do. With it's the pace. different because it seems to drag on forever. Yeah. In the blue book, because of how little happens. Well, the the book is also shorter, so we were also a third of the way through this book before that. Even That's happened. true, and we've got tons to go in this book. We are. I mean, by my fractions, we are less than a quarter of the way through this book. Yeah. Looking at the pages here. Um, 
Yeah, so we're going to take this opportunity to stop this book for now, and we're going to revisit it over the course of the next episode or two um, to continue the comparison. And really, I'm excited. We have not yet met Tony Prito, and I have a feeling we're going to meet him in the next chapter because that's when in the blue book the, gang the boys assembles. all got together. Yeah, um, I'm excited to see how different Tony Prito is treated. Yeah. Uh, and... There's another chapter that has a very different name. Um, there's a chapter called Teamwork in the first book. Correct. Which is where they team up to delay Oscar Smuff. And that Teamwork chapter doesn't exist, but instead, in its place, there's a chapter called The Chief Gets a Bomb. <laughs> so Fet that by tell itself... Them, yeah. Did you do the bomb <laughs> trick? It, yeah, it was all scraping paint flecks in the first book. <laughs> yeah. It was all about bomb threats in the original. But yeah, so we'll we'll get we'll get to this next part and see how it unfolds in the next chapter. But uh, join us on Patreon. Tell your friends about the podcast. Yeah. Get excited for the next live show. I think we're gonna do just a couple more episodes before we start book two. And when we start yeah. book two, just like we did for book one, we'll put out the whole schedule, and that way we'll be able to know when we'll do a live episode for sure. And 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 then so people can, start can mark their calendars. Yeah, yeah. Because um, the last show, just a brief recap of the live we had stand-up comedy we had a string quartet we had a, an award-winning string quartet an award-winning i mean people's there's mouths six, were dropped six quartets invited to this competition uh from around the nation and we have one of we had one of those we had one of the top six <sighs> youth string quartets and they were beautiful oh yeah everyone Good was Lord. talking about it the music was amazing and to think that when we podcasted everyone forgot about how good they were yeah. Because we just completely destroyed oh my God. them. We just outshadowed them. Like, yeah, everyone just, forgot about them immediately. They, and in fact, they were talking later about, like, actually, they weren't that good. <laughs> yeah. like, when you think about it, I think they were kind of flat. And I had to, <laughs> I had to go back because, like, after hearing our own performance, I was like, this was so good. I had to listen to the audio and be like, you know what? They were, they were a little good. They were fine. Yeah, they, they were weren't okay. that great in the moment. They were amazing, but yeah, there was a little yeah, flatness. After, I noticed after, that too. They appear flat after our performance. Yeah. It's true. So I mean, we outshadowed them. On that note, um, I I don't know what to do until we get to part two of our arbitrary sectioning of the original version of the book. Who killed who? In part two, oh, that's good. We're just doing rhymes with two. I don't know. We didn't really have a plan yeah. going into this. We never <laughs> seemed yeah. to have a plan about many of the things. Well, yeah, we I think do. you were right, though. We're going. This is part one. We have a part two. I th- but I, th- I think we're going to have to do a part three. I think we're going to have to do like a. Oh, for sure. There I, initial, might even be a four part. This is way more interesting than a, I thought it was. Book. Yeah, it is the, written the, beautifully. The advantage too. we have for going through it quickly is we've sort of seen a lot of the beats, so we're yeah. not exploring the story so much as we're comparing it to the framework we already have. So mm. maybe it'll go a little quicker. Uh, We'll see what play they see, if they see a play. We haven't yet gotten into wigs at all. No, there's been no wigsman. No wigman, no Kaufmans, no Schwartz. No Kaufmans, no Schwartz. It's been... Ooh, that, that begs the question of, I wonder if there will be Jews in part twos. True. <laughs> That's a good, I, I don't feel right ending the episode on that one. But yeah, they, we, had, we had Schwartz, who was quite a character in the first one. Um, and I wonder if we will meet... Schwartz, when we get to chapter fourteen, uh, man, this is going nowhere fast. How long have we been going? 
Guess how long this this episode has been. This is uh, the last thing we'll say. Fifty five minutes on the nose, sir. Yeah. Impressive. I'm a noseman. Fifty five minutes and thirty four seconds. I'm a noseman. I've been timing it the entire time in my head. Wow. I'm really really proud of 56, you. 57, and I'm excited 58. to get to, <laughs> to part, part two. two.